When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there, in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant tommy do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue you mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. At... Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J.Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Well, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the Minnesota sales, leaders go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. That's right. This is not the, what is it, Roy Orbison? No, this is my buddy Rick Lindy. Yes, it is. Oh, that's right. It's Rick Lindy and the Wild Ones. Yeah. Walking down the street. Funny, when when we were kids, Tim, or Rick was real heavy set. He was, um, 
uncomfortable in who he was. And he had this great singing voice. So he would, we'd sit in his bedroom, but he had to have the lights off and he'd play his guitar and he'd sing. And I'm like, dude, you got to get up on stage. He's like, no, no way. And he would just knock out, and he liked the old country stuff. It was just great. Um, and I just kept encouraging him. And finally, we found an open mic night, and he went up and just flourished. People loved him on stage. And now he's been performing for like 30 years and just great performer, great singer, good guy. I understand that Jamie is also a great singer. <clears throat> Jamie Kaler is a good singer. Jamie Kaler can belt it out from what I understand. He does, actually. You've seen him on his uh, videos for the Parents' Lounge and on his website where he's playing guitar and singing a little Bruce Springsteen from time to time. He's a hell of a singer. Well, Jason time, Gowan, not so much. Last time he was on, he sang us uh, Having My Baby because we were supposed to have, uh, what's his name? The singer of that song on oh, oh. Paul Anka. Paul Anka, and then he <laughs> canceled about on your him. son. Yeah, we're supposed to have uh, whatever the that kid's name is. Baby. I can't remember the kid. He's yeah. got a name. I don't know what. It, yeah, Paul Anka was going to be on. Matter of fact, I got to call Paul because I'm supposed to have dinner with him in a couple of weeks, and I haven't talked to him in a couple of months. So it might be time to give him a buzz. But um, yeah, Jamie is Jamie with us? Yes, Jamie. It was Christmas time <laughs> in the city. In the drunk yeah. tank. <laughs> in the drunk tank. Okay. Little, uh, the Pogues, a fairy tale of New York. That's yeah. my that's my Christmas song. I was listening to all morning. I gotta that's tell you, favorite. I gotta tell you guys. And and, De- and oh, I'm sorry, you weren't finished. Go ahead, sir. No, no, I was done. But trust me, I'm long done. <laughs> I'm long done. I gotta tell Dave a story, and I want to tell you guys at the same time. So I'm sitting around the other night with streaming. Now it's like, yeah, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch that. I tuned into an episode of the Johnny Carson show from, uh, I believe it was October of 1980. So 41 years ago, Mm. right? Johnny Carson was so much better than anybody else that's ever done that job. It's not even close. He was by far the best in history, no doubt. And the guys today, all three of them together, eight of them or how many of them are, good luck to you. But uh, I want to run this by you guys to see if you think – that this joke could be told in this day and age. Oh, God. All right. So <clears throat> my buddy, Rodney Dangerfield, walks out on stage, and he's just killing it. I mean, he's killing it. <clears throat> Everybody's just roaring. He was on to promote a new movie coming out called Caddyshack. Oh, nice. So <laughs> I'm watching this thing, and here's the joke that Rodney Dangerfield <laughs> told. I'm pretty sure that... The woke women of the world would not care for this joke. Company goes, hey, Johnny, how you doing, man? Nice talking to you. How's everything going, you know? Uh, I got to tell you, Johnny, you know, I'm fat. I'm a little fat. You know, I'm kind of fat. But I was dating this woman, and she was, like, really fat. I mean, like, really, really fat, Johnny. As a matter of fact, I once hit her with my car. And she said, why don't you just go around me? And I said, I didn't think I had enough gas. <laughs> There is no way you could tell that joke now with the woke women out there, man. No way. No, it's it's actually okay. Jamie, isn't this what they're saying? You can't pick on on any ethnicity. You can't pick on uh, women or sexuality, but fat people are always in play. Are they? (laughs) That seems like the one thing everybody is still allowed to attack. That's changing, definitely. But they were the last ones to get that protection, I'd say. Just when Roddy Dangefield would walk out on stage and just say, let me tell you, when I was a kid, you know, that was it for me. Yeah. I, he did, it just killed me. I loved it, and I always will. 
my it's whole. It's so funny you say that because I, I, I actually just worked with Jim Gaffigan, who oh, I love and I Jim. got my boys together for four years. His new special just came out last night. Yeah, we, we just watched it. Place. Yeah, great guy. So amazing. So we were having a conversation because, you know, Chappelle, during his last special, basically called himself the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And I love Chappelle. I mm-hmm. love yep, Chappelle. Yep, yep. I think he's fantastic. I don't know if he's so much a philosopher or a comedian anymore. I don't find myself laughing out loud, but he's immensely watchable. Right. Like, he's fantastic. And I still, I think Gaffigan's one of the greats of all time. Like, I the agree. economy of words is yep. amazing. But we had this conversation, and I said the greatest of all time is Rodney Dangerfield because oh, yeah. he, within the first two sentences, you know exactly who this guy is. You can tell <laughs> that joke. Watch watch somebody else's set from 1980 on The Tonight Show. Try right. to tell those jokes. They're terrible. Dangerfield, you could tell those jokes in 1935 and they would crush. You could tell them them tomorrow and they would crush. Very funny. Timeless. He is timeless. timeless. And he's sincerely, I think, to me, and Richard Pryor was the one that changed it for me because it was autobiographical. No doubt. No doubt about it. Stand-up comedian, set-up, punchline, joke teller, Rodney Dangerfield, greatest of all time. Do you think the most brilliant uh, partnership compilation was uh, Blazing Saddles? I mean, Richard Pryor and Mel Brooks together. Are you kidding me? I know. It was supposed oh. to be him. They couldn't insure him, so it ended up having to be Cleavon Little. But <laughs> exactly. Originally, it was Richard Pryor. He wrote right. the script, and then the insurance people were like, we can't insure this guy. He's a horrible drug addict. He's a drug addict. And, yep, uh, they wouldn't do it. Yeah, a horrible drug drug addict. Are there good drug addicts as well? well actually, I, I misspoke. He's Some of them a, get misquoted, uh, Dave. <laughs> Jason Gowan, Jamie Kaler from the Parents Lounge podcast with us. Uh, Jamie Kaler, of course, a comedian and an actor, podcast activist for short guys that uh, you know. He has to partner with to do podcasts. That's Jason Gowan. You put that together, so shush. <laughs> I did. I introduced these two. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, helping out with the original version of their podcast, and these two linked up, and now you can hear them every week, and they talk about being parents, and they've got other great uh, contributors that that join their show uh, and and talk about what it's like for the. for the beleaguered, beleaguered parents. And Gaffigan's new comedy special, guys, he goes, he just attacks COVID from every angle yeah, in this yeah, comedy special yeah. and goes after being a family man and dealing with COVID and parents and, and everything. It is so good. If anybody uh, has Netflix, go check it out. You got to see it for yourself. But it was well worth it. Have you had a chance to check it out yet, Jamie? I haven't seen it yet. It came out last night, but I'm definitely going to watch it. But I, I saw some of the clips, but, it, you know, for a guy who can do two hours on bread, yeah, I can't yeah. wait to see what he does with COVID. Yeah. Hot pockets. Hot pockets, right. Like, and, yeah. But with COVID, he actually – and you, he takes it from both sides. So he says some stuff that will piss off some people, but and then he goes on the other side where he's protective of it, and it's just funny to see him roll it out. And he, he has that droll way of delivering a line oh, God, that just that just slays. Uh, yeah. and, and, and it makes you think. So he's kind of got that philosopher's – you know, like the stand-up mm-hmm. philosopher Mel Brooks from uh, from History of the World Part One, uh, but it's just he is so good at, at kind of capturing how everybody's felt he, the last two years. Right. He is a wordsmith. His economy of words are yep. when you if you could you could read you could write his joke down, read it, and you would laugh yourself. Yeah. Like it's 
he doesn't waste a word. He's a super smart cat. And that's what I loved about him, too. We had long conversations where, like, you know, it's so funny. He's right in the middle. He He's able to see everything from both sides, which right. I think a lot of this country's not. We look at it from our own megaphone point of view as opposed to putting yourself on the other side. Like, I watch both. I watch all the news channels and then find myself somewhere in the middle. And you see how people, you know, are put their own spin on stuff. But if you can cut through the the middle you can see that we're all just trying to get through this thing with our families yeah and you know it's yep. a nightmare, it's a nightmare. Andy how old were you when Jim Gaffigan uh, you first met Jim uh, like God, 16 yeah. 17 late teens I'd say late teens uh, remember the gift that Jim Gaffigan gave you the first time you met him yes I do do you still have it I don't know where it went I moved like four times since then so I lost bring- a lot of stuff I bring my 16-year-old son backstage to meet Jim Gaffigan. Well, actually, the, my wife, our daughter, and Andy, our son, who's the engineer on this show. So I introduce him to Jim Gaffigan, and Jim walks away, comes back with a poster. And it was a poster of Jim Gaffigan. And what did it say on the poster, Andy? I think it said, congratulations on getting out of prison. <laughs> Which, by the way, is libel. <laughs> by the way, that's libelous, but, you know... He gives a 16-year-old kid a poster that says, congratulations on getting out of prison. That's awesome. <laughs> Jim's a great guy. Very accommodating, really nice man, yeah. no doubt about it. I'm talking yeah, to, to Jason this, this morning, right, Gowan and I, and we're BSing. And, Tom, I got to know, I mean, obviously, Andy's hyper-intelligent. Do you remember having Obviously. the first conversation? <laughs> well, you're, you're always so quick, and you know the background on so many different things. But do you remember having the conversation and, and telling him about, you know, body parts and male stuff. And did you have nicknames for, for those bits or were you just very analytic? It's a, it's a penis. I, I literally went with the Hebrew Schwanstucker. Schwanstucker. Yeah, Schwanstucker. I wish I had gone with that now. <laughs> Jason, you can hear It's all yours. You know, Andy, your Schwanstucker needs to be kept private. Mm-hmm. And what, what happened to you, Jason? So, we, we were talking about the parents' lounge that we, you know, it was probably best to give him the proper names for things so that he's not going to school and, and, and you know, asking, saying, you know, I got to pee. My pee-pee bug hurts. I just thought at this point we're getting, we're six years old. Pee-pee bug is probably not the, the name we want to go forward with. And so we introduced the name penis to him. Yes. We are standing in Michael's picking up gifts for my in-laws and... My son goes, hey, penis is a fun word to say, isn't it, Dad? And then he just, like, he had, like, he just couldn't even control it at that point. And he's just randomly going, penis, 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 <laughs> trying out in different, different, like, different, like, there's just seeing how it, you know, how it rolls off the tongue. And I'm like, okay, all right. He's like, but you told me it was okay to say, penis, penis. And he's like, announcing it. And I, I'm like, all right, we need to leave. Time and this woman comes up and goes, well, he's certainly using that word properly, isn't he? And I was like, yes, thank you. Oh, my God. I mean, Jason, are we, I mean, none of us have really learned how to control it. No. No, that's true. No, but I don't announce it every time I go to a store either. <laughs> I do, I mean, actually, still. I, I do. I do, do, do you? Hey, everybody, I'm here, and here is my penis. Here's my penis. I give it the, the growly voice. Wow. It is wonderful. Very... I use a different term, guys. I use the term tallywhacker. Tallywacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tallywacker. It's very British of you. makes a bolder statement. Yeah. It is very British, Jason. You're absolutely right about that. 
There's no oh, question. Great. We got to get you and guys on the proper. We got to get you guys on the KQ Morning Show one of these days. Jamie's been on, but Jason, we've never had you on. So we got to get you guys on the. I do a morning show in town for about the last three hundred years or whatever it's been. Yeah, it's been thirty years. Someday you just stick with it. Tom. Someday the people are going to find you and they're going to like the show. It'll hit big. Yeah, thirty-six years on the same morning show. It's just odd. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. We want to come there live uh, this summer. We want to come do a Parents' Lounge show live there. Oh, you uh, got to. Absolutely. That would be fantastic. We'll, uh, we'll do a nice Schrader grilling. They nice. did a great yeah. show, and uh, the, the Parents' Lounge live with the two of them on stage. It was very, you know how at the end of like the blue-collar comedy tour, they'd have the comedians come out on stage yeah, together? Yeah, That's what yep. these two did through this comedy show. It was I hysterical. Love love and, and just bouncing fun. off each other very... Innovative, very uh, improvisational, and it was hilarious. And yeah, you guys, now you're taking it on the road, right? Well, we're trying to. As soon as, as soon, <laughs> yes, as soon as the road, yeah. <laughs> as soon the as road. COVID clears the road, <laughs> I guess the road. And as soon as my wife allows me to leave uh, the children, then, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of my thing too. Is that whether or not my wife will allow me to leave uh, the twins home with her? Or if she'll force me to take them with me. Yeah, well. that's the beauty of our virtual show. We do it every kind of. It's been kind of become the creative outlet without traveling. So it's been super fun, and people comment live. And Schrader's done it a bunch of times. You'll have to come do the show with us, and and uh, it's super fun, and and uh, it's really funny to see people's comments and questions as they kind of tag along. And you I mean, guys are on much too late for Tom. Yeah, no. the hell of parenting, you know. Tom's in bed by six thirty. You know, I woke up this morning at at midnight. Did you? I woke up we'll, at midnight. We'll pre-record yours. There you go. Hey, yeah, there you it, go. If I do it, is it okay if I, when I come on stage, I can do the very last uh, live comedy act that Michael Richards did? I just like to repeat. <laughs> I don't think. You no, know, no, uh, no you, you don't want that one. No, first of all, it's been well, done. <laughs> yes, it's been done. All right. <laughs> and uh, it's really hard to top once you've nailed it, right? And he nailed it. Okay, so Jamie and Jason, how do you get in your head that that's a good way to talk on stage? How did he ever get there? Drugs? Yeah, probably drugs. Probably, probably. Anger, true. definitely anger. Oh, definitely yes. anger. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. some anger. <laughs> anger do you think? Well, I also think. <laughs> I hate breathing. Yeah. <laughs> he never wrote a joke in his life. Like the beauty of what we do is that we have full acts. Right, that, right. You know, the train's on the tracks, and yeah, the train might make a stop and go off on some woman who won't shut up in the audience for the next <laughs> 10 minutes. But after we're done at that station, we get right back on the train and go, right, keep going forward. I, he didn't have it, and when the guy started yelling at him, he, I mean, he's, I don't think he's a racist, dude. He no, just, I don't either. He was he was reaching for any weapon in his pocket. I don't know. And so, no, Slipping it out once on, is kind of, is uh, maybe he's not racist. He repeated it over and over. Do you think he just well, broke? About 50 well, the vibe I, I got was that he said it I once. He was frustrated and flustered, and the guy got the better of yep. him, and yep. uh, he let it rip. I think, yeah, he said it once. Way, you, would, you know, if, if somebody got your goat and they were overweight, you might crack a couple fat mm. jokes. If a guy, if somebody was picking on you, you know, when you were a kid and they, you know, it's something, you're just, you're reaching for straws. I, I don't feel like he's really, you know. Well, I, I think know. he realized what he had done. He's not in the clan. Yeah. He, he was like, oh, well, yes. I'm beyond the pale now, so I'm just going to go as hard <laughs> at it as up. I possibly can and try to take it to an absurd 
Because then he started talking about the audience, calling them sick mother effers and stuff. Right. He just kind of went into this like, well, if I'm just offensive as hell to everyone, then I'm right. offensive to no right. one. But that's not quite how it works. Not quite how it no. went. No. There it was, was no a question. little too, little too late. Yeah. <laughs> yes. tell you, in the in the days now, like back in the day, like Dangerfield's days, you know, you might have you know, there'd be a heckler here and there, and it was interspersed, and you're like, up. Oh, it was a random event. Now. They're coming after you. They, yep. they, they, they want to be part of the show. They are, they're videotaping it. They're deliberately poking the bear. You know, it's, it gets frustrating at times when you do live shows where you're like, guys, we wrote an act. Shut up. Right. They all want to be right. on YouTube. They're on yeah. YouTube. They feel like they can yell at whatever yep. they want. Mm-hmm. And people feel entitled. Look at the airlines. People just go, I'm oh, entitled. God. No, you're not, man. You're in a oh. tube with a bunch of other people, 36,000 feet in the air. No, you're not allowed to do whatever you want. You can't. You can't let your cat um, suckle from your teeth. You can't do that, man. You got. That was pretty. That was a little. When Jamie and I did our live show, we had it was what Jamie like two minutes into the show, she started on you. Oh my god! God. That woman. Fired up that woman. And And somebody overheard her in the bathroom calling a boyfriend to come beat me up after the show or something. Yeah, they were going to knife us in the parking lot. Oh God! Whatever. I know, right? The yeah. entitlement of people today is just beyond the – it's beyond, man. Well, they the are. other thing that happened with that was that she – we offered her – well, Jamie offered that I would buy her a uh, free glass of wine to calm her down, which she accepted. Unfortunately, the winer gave her a glass with a hole in it, and Whoops. it spilled all over her, so she thought we had done it on purpose. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, the, the plastic glass had a crack in it and leaked all over her, and she thought that that was my maniacal plan. I had put these glasses – at the bar specifically for heckle, like it was crazy the conspiracy yeah. theory that she had put up in her head. But I mean, it makes sense, really. I suppose it's true. You guys mind if I tell just one more quick Rodney story because I please, it just it, please, because it literally you got Jeff Cesario is an old friend. I don't know if you guys know Jeff Cesario now, but yeah, I, lo- we do. I love he Cesario. Just did our show. He was just on our show. Oh, he was phenomenal. He's the best. He tells oh it. God, he's, he's an awesome guy. On this show, he told me the first time about this, he, that he uh, he had just flown out to L.A. and he hooked up with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, whom he had known from New York, but he's going to move to L.A. and he's going to start doing this, that, and the other thing, and he's going to really kick ass. And so he's they're walking along, Seinfeld and Cesario walking along, and, they, and here comes Rodney Dangerfield out of the comedy store, right? So he goes, would you, would you like to meet uh, Rodney Dangerfield? And Cesario, Cesario's like, oh, God, yeah, I'd love to meet Rodney Dangerfield. So they walk up there and he goes, Rodney, I'd like you to meet a, a new young comedian. It's his first day in Los Angeles. He's going to be a brilliant comedian. Rodney Dangerfield, meet Jeff Cesario. And there was a pause. <laughs> and Rodney goes, Cesario, huh? Italian, huh? Stick to the tumbling. <laughs> One of the great stories of all time. I love that story so. By much. the way, your danger field is like broadcast quality. I, sh- I, I mean, do you do voiceovers where you are danger? Well, I used best to. Your field I've ever heard. That's crazy. Actually, to tell you the truth, I was one of the top twenty-five voiceover guys in America until I got canceled because some asshole ten years ago decided to go after me, and everybody, okay, can't use you anymore. How about Chris Noth? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Jesus. 25 years ago said something, and all of a sudden he's lost every job he ever had. I know. It's amazing. 
but you're the, like, hey, I thought that, I thought you have to prove something. I'm so confused, you know. And all I did is I wrote a bit for Michael Richards at EU. No, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tie everything in, don't you? So this word, make sure you use it at least thirty times. Yeah, thirty. You got to say this word thirty times, Michael. It has to be that way. That Dangerfield impression is. So- on, I do sometimes think that if I ever, well, someday I'm going to retire from, from radio, what I might do, because, uh, well, I used to be bigger than Rodney, but now I'm, I'm smaller than Rodney because I lost 101 pounds. But uh, I someday I might actually put on the makeup and actually do a stage act as Rodney Dangerfield. I might actually do that someday. Well, hey, he had that cartoon, right? You could voice that. Bring it back. Yeah, could, yeah it's true. I could bring his go, cartoon yeah. back. Reboot it. But I, I I don't look like him. But you can make anybody look deep like anybody now. now. You they yeah. could definitely deep oh, fake yeah. you. Oh God, me. yeah. Oh, they're no so look and sound just yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, I mean, kind of same body type, pretty much. You know. Oh yeah, none of that really matters. No. You just basically project yeah. the uh, image onto. I mean, it wouldn't be a live stage show. It would. It would uh, be like probably be better anyway. His Harry Carey is on point like as Val well, Kilmer Jamie. Does Mark, he does Mark Twain. You know, Val Kilmer used to tour Mark oh, Twain. Oh, sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, Mitchell, absolutely. Whatever. I think somebody else did Lincoln. You could do Dangerfield. I could do That's Dangerfield. That's a one-man show of Dangerfield. Honest to God. I, so I, good. So I would – maybe someday I'll get it done. It'd be that. I would have a ball doing it. That would be a lot of fun. So just retire to Vegas and be a Dangerfield impersonator. I could there do you that. Go. Right. They, how come they do that? They they can do music impersonations. That's true. Right? They do. Oh, I think they do. They do all that. But do they do comedian impersonators who go up and, I mean, I know they do Joan Rivers and things like that. But, I mean, like, do they do a full show? I've seen the. Like cover the, a comedian? Right. Yeah. Like, I've seen the Rat Pack revisited where they have the three guys up there acting like Sinatra and, yeah, and yeah, Sammy and, yep. and Dean. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I don't think I've ever seen a comedy show. You should just be Strangerfield. Yeah. One of the greatest honors of my life, and Andy will remember this, is that when Rodney died, his lovely wife came on and did this show. Yep. And she called no. me and said, Tom, I'd like to come on your show because there's something really special that I think Rodney would enjoy if I did on your show. I said, what do you want to do? He said, I was going through his clothes and I found a bunch of jokes in one of his pockets that he never used. So she sat on this show for about an hour and told Rodney Dangerfield jokes that oh. had never been heard before. Oh. It was oh, phenomenal. Wow, that's awesome. Well, she should have sent them to you to have you do them as Rodney. <laughs> yeah. How long ago was that, Andy? About 20 years ago or something like that? 20? No, years it was before. like probably five. <laughs> no, it was longer than that. He's been dead a lot longer than that. She was on this show. Yeah, she was on this show. So it was about 10 years well, ago. Well, they've been doing this show for nine years. Nine years ago. Ain't nobody oh, got time for out. your logic, Andy. Andy's looking it up. He's going to find it. That's all we know. But Danger So field. you guys are going to come on the road, I'm hoping. You are going to, aren't you? That's the plan. I mean, hopefully. That's the plan. We're going to try to go out for a, like, limit, you know, and, and pop out some, some tour dates and stuff. Yeah. To do it. What do you, but what as of now, I mean, we're digging the once a week live thing. Yeah, Actually, no, it's I understand. Kind of expanded. We've done a few extra weeks. Tell We have a special Christmas Eve show with uh, none other than the Grinch himself. Yeah, Jamie had a sit-down, uh, Oprah-style, heart-to-heart interview with the Grinch to kind of get his <laughs> side of things. Uh, it really kind of blew things open. Uh, you know, I've seen the footage uh, of what Jamie shot, and I, I was moved. I, I, I had the, uh, things completely wrong about him. We go through the book, and, and it's written. I mean, obviously, Doctor Seuss wrote it, and it's not. That's not even that guy's real name. That's Theodore Geisel. <laughs> Theodore Geisel. Not even real. Not even a doctor. Liar. Yeah, yeah, he claims exactly. he's a doctor. He's not a doctor. I know. Liar. The doctor lies, according to the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden, you start to find out he's quietly living on a mountain 
and these next door neighbors are up at the crack of dawn you know making a lot of racket and they're terrible neighbors and all of a sudden he's the bad guy i i don't buy it Mm. yeah and i I don't want to let too much slip but you know he let it be known to to uh to jamie that uh that whole thing in hoodville was a front for a drug cartel sure why you knew it yeah um, you guys have some time, or do you, do you, do you have? Is there a time you need to be out by? No. I, I have to be out by like January eighth. Uh, January eighth, because we got to take a very quick two-minute break and be right back, right after this with the family. And we are back with stretches picks. Who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Dan Chesky's here from Dan Southside Marine. It won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water. Warmer temps and open water are coming soon, Tom. We have inventory in stock now from Alumacraft, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou with more arriving daily. What's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year, Dan? My recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dance Outside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Tom here, and I'm talking with Brad Huckle and Mike Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked before about how working with a community bank like North American Banking Company can benefit business owners. Do you have an example you could share with our listeners? Our customers at Home Insulation in Blaine have been banking with a big bank for many years, but suddenly their calls weren't getting returned and their banker was unresponsive to their business needs. You can imagine their frustration. They had a successful business, wanted to expand, and their bank cut them off. They were ready to move on from their big bank. When they referred to us, we knew they wanted to work with a community bank that would be responsive and would take the time to understand their business and its needs. That sounds like a perfect fit. I know it can always reach out and not only talk to an actual person, but I'm talking to an experienced lender. They've told us the same thing, Tommy. Look, I know Brad and Mike, and I trust them with my banking. My whole family does. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. You know what you did to me now, Dave? What's that? You brought up Harry, and I keep thinking of the last time we had him on, and he... Gelfand, and I can't remember else. I was, I think it was Sansevier. Sansevier and Gelfand started kind of teasing him. They were teasing Harry Carey, and all of a sudden, 
there's a long pause, and I hear, Barnard, control your monkeys. <laughs> Which I thought was brilliant. I grew up with Harry Carey in Chicago. Oh, I love. Well, I mean, Harry. not like we were contemporaries and we went to school Harry. together, but I grew up watching him commentate for the for the sure. uh, Cubs, the Cub- White was, Sox, and then the Cubs. Yeah. And it was just great to watch him slowly get drunk as the as the game progressed. And oh, it was yeah. a long ass boring game. My favorite part is when he would like tell people um, he'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden you hear him t- tell Steve Stone, he's like. Ryan Sandberg. If you say the name backwards, it's Gubinrah Sandery. <laughs> and Stephen just go, all right. <laughs> all right, Harry. Uh, uh, thank you, Harry. And I played That's for you the, the, uh, the Cracker Jack rant that he yeah. went on, which was hilarious. If he you guys haven't phenomenal. heard it, go listen on YouTube to the Cracker Jack rant. He, he's Phenomenal. I don't even know why we talk about Cracker Jack. I was eight years old. I got the box, and there's no damn prize. And they don't he, have prize anymore? He didn't get one in his box, and he's like, oh. what kind of cra- It's a swing and a miss. And then he like goes right, in, right back, back into back that, into and, then he's right, and then he's like, yeah, the kid's saving up that dime to get that box, and then he opens it up, and there's no prize inside. It just is like he's so mad. <laughs> Not that he the rants about were... it for 15 minutes during the live segment. Not that the prizes were super great anyway, but hey. how hey. dare you? Although, the smiley face, you can do it tattoos? Yeah. Come on. Harry what? with Jimmy Pearsall was the all-time yeah. best. Those two together, honest to God. They were incredibly good. Remember what Pearsall said working with Harry in the White Sox games? No, what was that? They're on TV, and they, they pan behind the plate into the seats, and all these very pretty women. And Jimmy Pearsall goes, Harry, look at that. They're showing all the players' wives, a bunch of horny broads looking for a free ride. <laughs> wow, Jimmy Pearsall said that? He said that on television. <laughs> I just remember when Steve Stone, I think, posed for Playgirl. And, oh, and God. on air, oh, God. on air, he brings uh, Harry brings it up, and he goes, "Most guys built like you wouldn't have done that." <laughs> See, this is what I'm saying. You guys, man, you got to get on the road. Well, not now because it's too damn cold. Don't get on the road now. I've decided it's too slippery that, that too if slippery. I were to South die Florida. today, I want to come back reincarnated as one of Jason's kids. Oh, is that right? He's got to be one of the greatest I'm dads. Not- Having his... any more? No, I don't care. I'll be. Uh, yeah, I'll just take over <laughs> the soul be, of uh, one of your uh, soulless like twins. Possession? Well, I mean, there is a vacancy of soul there, so uh, <laughs> I guess you can move right in. Jason is a superhero fan. He his kids are dressed like superheroes. His wife is dressed. Like, they're constantly Christmas decorations, Halloween. This guy goes all out. Do you ever being partnered with him on the show, Jamie? Do you ever feel like you're kind of lacking as a parent when you see all the stuff Jason's doing? Dude, I, I don't need him. I mean, my wife tells me how I'm lacking this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Constant, uh, I mean, there's a there's a sheet. every I open the refrigerator. You know how some couples write little notes like, I love you and stuff? <laughs> no, uh, I don't. Most of the times I open the medicine cabinet, there's just a note that says, you're a terrible parent. <laughs> <laughs> We're married to the same woman. I didn't even know that. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I kind of wish we were, because that would mean she'd only be here half the time. Oh, wow. joking. We love each other. We're in half total bliss. Don't worry. She's not listening. No, she doesn't, she doesn't even know what I do for a living. Just recently, <laughs> a friend texted her a picture of me. I was in, like, um, I was cleaning up a murder scene in, like, a jumpsuit. And she was like, what are you, what are you doing? Are you working as a, I go, 
That's a movie I shot last summer. Ding dong <laughs> on Netflix. Well, she thought you were just picking up a little a side money as a CSI in. guy. I was like, "Do you know what I do for a living? Do, have you do any what I do?" No, no, I don't. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love. I it. I love that in her mind, at some point, she just thought you're out legitimately helping clean up crime scenes. That's what she, I, she was like. What is happening? What are you doing in a jumpsuit cleaning up a murder scene? I was like, uh, Kate. I'm in a movie on Netflix called Aftermath. One of your yeah, friends. Yeah, tough though. I mean, I get it. <laughs> yeah, there you. Yeah. <laughs> this is the time of year too. I, I'm in. I'm in the Family Stone. I'm not big. I play the husband who's missing the whole time, and then he comes back at the very end of the movie to basically let. Oh, you know, spoiler me. alert! Thanks, Kaylor. Yeah, it's the end and, of it. Uh, I was gonna watch. So it. I get text messages every day, like, "Hey, man, I'm watching Family Stone." And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I started 25 years ago. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. No, there's no doubt about that. I, you know, it's, you know, the great thing about it is, is what I really like after what 51 years now in the in the business, interviewing people. One of the great things is you guys, you can just tell by your demeanor that you guys actually really like working with one another. You know, you know, not like Martin and Lewis, where you're ready to just break up at any minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, he sounds like a lot of fun. Maybe the greatest comedy duo of all time. Of I'm all cute. time, <clears throat> those two together were they're people just people don't amazing. even understand how. You were talking about that that Tonight Show you talked about with uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Sixty million people probably watched it that yeah, night. You're live. right. Yeah, you're right. Nowadays, if if five hundred thousand people watch a show, it's a hit. Yep. Yeah, that's right. My six hundred pound sisters and I, uh, reality <laughs> stars, my six hundred teen pregnant mom uh, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's but you think about the power of television then, but it's so um, you know watered down so much now that it, it, everybody's in their own little clique of like 12 people that watch a show. Yeah, yeah. five rating is considered like fantastic these days. Oh, isn't that sad? That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got television, radio, and the newspapers are just about done. Maybe maybe five years and morning shows might last another eight to ten years and that's going to be about it. Yeah, total, total agreement. I don't know what's happening, man. It's it, we almost need something to unify everyone. I mean, we almost need an electromagnetic yeah. pulse to just shut everything down and go back to the Gutenberg press. <laughs> I like reset. No, Elon Musk is already doing that. He's he's injecting us with microchips mm-hmm. uh, in our brain so that you can do different things now. And I think we're just going to be beamed television messages. Right. Uh, and and our, our stuff will just appear inside our head so we can watch it that way. Oh, well, I, I was... Matrix op- the Matrix opens today. There right? you oh, go. That's true, yeah. Yeah, that's right. It yeah, opens that's today. true. Yeah, it does. I was wrong, by the way. Uh, 2020, uh, 2020 to 21 season, nothing got a five rating. Oh, God. Oh. NFL Sunday Night Football only got 4.8. Oh, that's not good. No, that is not they good. They don't watch television. They, uh, people under 40 do not read newspapers. They don't listen to radio. They yeah. don't watch television. They, they binge. Oh, yeah, this is the 18 to 49. They do. This is the 18 to 49 demo, which is the only one they report because On they're television, yeah. out of touch. Yeah. But, yeah, nothing get, hit five. I think most of them get their news from some realtor out of, like, Pensacola, Florida, who's got a got a little webcam or something set up. Is that how much? Oh, yeah, that's Nancy. She's fantastic. (laughs) She's really. And honestly, if you're looking for a place in Pensacola, you can't go wrong. She'll help find find you a nice house. Sure. It's understandable. No question. (laughs) There's no doubt about that. Those ratings always make me laugh because, you know, when you watch TV or something, you'll see Jaws. And you'll be like, it'll have like a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. And you're like, really? 
two percent were like, "Nah, that's a terrible movie." Like, really? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not like how does the Godfather not have a hundred, one hundred percent? I know. Movie, right? Somebody was like, "No, not for me. Couldn't get through it." Mm-hmm. Couldn't get through the Godfather. That's right. boy, I tell you, to this day, Godfather Three, I can understand. Yeah, well, yeah, not everyone a great hates movie. the Godfather. 3. Watch it again; it's not as bad as you think. Did, Andy Garcia is actually pretty good in it, right? And Joe Montana. Didn't him. they cut a different version of Godfather Three that's yeah, available yeah. now? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Oda. It's yeah. Oda, yeah. Oda is it something. better? It's actually way better. Really? Way better. Tom's, yeah, thought, Tom's yeah. rolling his eyes at you, Jamie. You've just lost all favor in his book. No, I, I rolled my eyes and said, you know, Jamie reminds me a lot of Marlon Brando in the younger days. That's what you telegraphed days. me with that roll of the eyes? You know, honest to God, you know, so I cleaned it up. I go, in, in his younger days, yeah, in his because younger Marlon days. at the end was about four bills, so, you know. Hey, listen, it's not going to, you can't, I mean, but it's like the, mate, the, the first Matrix is a perfect film. Yeah, you don't even want a sequel, but unfortunately, it made so much money they had to. I actually yeah. went back and watched Matrix Revolutions again because I wanted to see where I was in the story for the new Matrix, and it wasn't as bad as I remember it. It's just the problem was it was trying to live up to Matrix One and the right. same yeah, exactly. If you didn't have Godfather One and Two, you'd be like, Ah, Three was a pretty good movie. But the problem is One and Two are like the greatest films of all time, so it's really hard. To, yeah, it's hard to live up to that. They are indeed. Hey, speaking of that, by the way, I was asking the listeners this morning on the on the morning show to recommend a Christmas movie. I'm trying to find a couple of Christmas movies because, oh, you might like this one. <clears throat> Andy, I don't think you've heard this one yet. I've got a five-year-old granddaughter and a three-year-old grandson. Now, Andy here just they had a baby born on my birthday, November 7th, mm-hmm. so a little over a by month. By the way, old. Andy, you look great after giving birth. You really do. You look fantastic. <laughs> it's all the folic acid. <laughs> it's all the folic acid. It's good for him, good for me. So I get a FaceTime from my, my daughter yesterday, and I go to the FaceTime, and it's not my daughter. It's my five-year-old granddaughter. And she said, she calls me Bop Bop. She goes, hey, Bop Bop, I want to come over. I said, oh, I'm sorry, Fonny, you can't come over because i got I got to go to a business dinner I have to go to tonight. She goes, what? I said, I, I got business I have to do. I'm not going to be home tonight, so you can't come over. She goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm not going to be here, so you can't come over. And there's a long pause, and she goes, I'm never coming to your house again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Fawny channeling a little Pesci on you? Yeah, a little Joe what Pesci. Mean? What do you mean you're not what available? Do you mean? What are you not available? What are you talking about not available? <laughs> oh, <Jim. laughs> Honest to God. That's a good one, too, man. Who was doing that? Is that Tom? Yeah. Yeah, I, gotta, I don't oh, know. Dude, There's something wrong Pesci with my brain. So I never tried to do Pesci before. I didn't know I could do that, so now I, now I could use well, that. Well, it's really too. good, yeah. yeah. I'll have to work on it. You keep and cutting away, kid. You you're going to carve a name out for yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. One of these days, it might break through. You'll, I, you'll break through the uh, <clears throat> moniker of the popcorn king and become something else. Oh, God. <clears throat> Let me pass that Is on to the Is he still around? Popcorn I don't king? Know. So I'm sitting I, next to him. 35 <laughs> years ago, I get this call. The people want you to come out to the state fair in Carver County. They want they, they want to see you because your show took off, and they want to, they want you to come out to the, the Carver County Fair. I said, okay, no problem. So I go out there, and they go, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Bernard. And I walk out on stage, nothing. People just staring at me. And there's no noise at all. And I'm like, what the hell? And all of a sudden, this guy who's about 80 and standing right, right, uh, right in front of the stage, he looks, he looks up at me and goes, you're not the popcorn king. I went, what? 
Apparently there's a guy, the Popcorn King, whose name is Tom Bernard, and they thought I was going to come out and talk about popcorn. <laughs> and it was packed. That's the crazy it was thing. Packed. Everybody came out to see the great Popcorn King. The great King. Popcorn King, and I stiffed them all by showing up. My lame ass showed up and ruined everything. What are you going to do? So, I mean, did you try and adopt the Popcorn King moniker after that? Because, I mean, you already had a built-in audience. <laughs> what, you don't like caramel? You don't like cheese corn? I mean, what's the problem here? <laughs> Talk about all the – now, the mixture of cheese and caramel together, that would be the Popcorn King's favorite. <laughs> yeah, just start schmoozing about popcorn. I'd love that. The Popcorn King sounds like something from a Rankin and Bass uh, Christmas cartoon, it does, doesn't it? it? Yeah, he's like the villain of, of one of those things. He's kidnapped toys or something. And that's oh, I'm going to turn all the gingerbread the into popcorn. Good yes, God. That's exactly it. Do you guys have – I'm not in the spirit for this holiday. This is the first Christmas in my 54 years alive. Well, maybe my first Christmas I wasn't into it. I was only no, a month old. First one or two. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, but from possibly. that point forward, I just, I've just i always loved Christmas this year. Like, we haven't we haven't put up our Christmas tree yet. Wow. So That's going up tonight. I know. Days. I, just, so I don't like to be rushed, Christmas, baby. I don't like to be rushed. COVID, I, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be around to help take it down. So let's just, you know, hold off till the 22nd, and then we'll put it up. I but understand. I, I, do you guys, are you guys feeling the merry this year? I'm not. I have a problem in that I got uh, this business thing that I'm dealing with that I don't want to deal with. It's it's it sounds very mobbish. The I way can't you said really, that. Well, it is very mobbish. As a matter of fact, guy I don't want to get rid of, but he's just causing so many problems. It might be mobbish only if they find the bodies. That's let me put it that way. Yeah. Now somebody's being a massive pain in the ass right now, and I have to deal with it. So I'm really not in a Christmas mood because this person is being such an asshole. I just it drives me nuts. But so just one person's bringing your hold. So this guy needs yeah. to go. If he's got that power to make to take away your, I just feel like there's I no know. joy, <laughs> no joy in my life. Hey, it's because well, you're not a problem. Why don't you be a woke woman? Say, Cassie, what do you think about yeah. that? Yeah, well, I mean, I love my wife and kids, but it's just, even she, she's just like, I have no energy to put anything up or want to do yeah, Christmas tough. this year. Yeah, it's tough. It's yeah. different from us because we got a kid now, so it's like his first yeah. Christmas. Oh, you're, you're all You're obligated up. to put yeah, in the effort. We, we, got, we got bamboozled into it by the, by our oldest because he's six now, and he's like, oh. there is no chance in this world that Christmas is not coming to yeah. our home. Mm-hmm. No, you're hey, absolutely family. Right. I'm going to the airport today to pick up my in-laws with two more kids. Oh. Staying in my How's house. that? Is that going to be good? Kids at my house, and uh, so I get to go to LAX tonight for like probably seven, eight oh, hours. Oh God! Oh no! So where yeah. should we send the scotch? Uh, it's right to LAX. Yeah, right. right. I'll be there long <laughs> enough to drink it all. Merry <laughs> Christmas, Daddy's gonna go get drunk. I'm going into my Zen state, man. It's yeah. like every day it's just survive in advance. But um, yeah, my kids are all over Christmas, so you don't really have a choice. But, yep. Uh, yeah. I do love Christmas. I, I do. I've been a big Christmas fan my whole life. Love it. No doubt about it. But again, having this pain in the ass going on right now, it, it, it's it's knocking it down a few notches. You're right. Yeah. It's just the yeah. way it is, you know. So basically, all I have to do is. No, I can't tell you what I have to do. No, you then can't I get arrested. <laughs> That's right. Plausible <laughs> deniability, Tom. If you could please be quiet from this point forward. I don't know what happened. He just disappeared. I never saw him again. Get mouth shut and call your lawyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. That's hey, exactly. Gowan, right. how old are the twins? 
Uh, two and a half. Are they oh, are they babies. like aware of Christmas at this point? I don't remember kids being that young, even though I've had eleven so, of them. So because ours have a little bit of a, a speech delay. I guess it's pretty typical of twins. Uh, so they're oh, not sure. talking yet, but they 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 know something is happening because obviously we brought a tree in the house. We threw some candy canes on it. Oh. Um, so they they know something is happening, but they don't understand it like yeah. especially in the same way that the six-year-old does and they don't hold the same reverence because i saw the video you posted of the christmas tree debacle yeah so we we kind of got to the bottom of that i i came in and my tree was trashed <laughs> and all over the ground and the twins you know pop up from behind it and i asked them who did it uh my son my youngest son that we call the dark lord looked me straight in the eye and told me that i in fact did it so i was like oh okay so you're, you're framing me to me um but on uh, inspection of our ring camera that's in the ca- in the living room um they had eaten all the candy canes that were on the lower mm-hmm. end of the tree and they climbed on our couch to try to get some from the top and they lost their balance and both of them and the tree came a tumbling uh, oh, Humpty God. Dumpty style down. Yeah, but that's a great Christmas thing and what a yeah. great tradition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh, the, the annual Gallon family tree tumble. I tell you, the aunt's got two and a half year old twins. That's What a great life you got. That's wonderful. I love the fact they that are the reason I drink, Tom. They are the reason I <laughs> See, I told you it was a great thing. My my granddaughter and grandson, right? They're just two little sweethearts. They're um, my 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 grandson's about to become four. My granddaughter's going to be five. And about a year and a half ago, their babysitter decided to try something. So she she put sets her phone up so it's video recording. And she takes out some fruit snacks and she puts them on the table and she Ooh. and she goes, "Hey guys, I want to do something cool. But don't uh, we'll, we'll do this. I have to go to the bathroom. Don't touch. Don't eat your fruit snacks. And I'll be right back." And she darts into the bathroom. And it's I mean, not a second after the bathroom door shuts, my granddaughter points at my my grandson and she goes, "I'm gonna eat them." He goes, <laughs> "He goes, no, Stella, don't." She goes, "Yeah, I'm gonna eat them." And she's looking around and. And she's trying to get Sully to go along with her, right, but he's not right. having it. But he won't rat her out, but he's just not going to get his hands dirty. Right. So she's looking at it, and it's crazy to see the brain working. And all of a sudden, she looks back towards the camera, and she kind of gives him the high sign, and she gives him the one finger of, I'll be right back. She gets up off the couch, goes over, and finds the actual bag of fruit snacks and grabs oh. a handful, shoves them in her mouth, and comes and sits down. And she's Ooh. chewing through the... So she didn't touch the ones on the table. <laughs> and the, the babysitter comes out, and she's like, oh, you guys, oh, you didn't touch it. I'm so proud of you. And my my granddaughter's trying not to smile because she's got a mouthful. Right, and she's like right. smirking and kind of thumbs up. And, and Sully's looking at her and looking at the babysitter, and he's like, this, this shit's going to go sideways quick. <laughs> and, and then you see my granddaughter kind of Give the big smile, and then she smiled. The the, the uh, babysitter didn't realize till she reviewed the footage that my granddaughter went around and ate it straight out of the bag, leaving the two piles alone. So Phenomenal. she was, yeah, she was Columboing this thing. She was, she found an, right. uh, you know, what was it? Alfred Hitchcock presents where the woman kills her husband with a leg of lamb and like then throws lamb. it in yeah. the oven. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then feeds it to the cops. Feeds, feeds it, it to, to the, the cops. cops. Exactly. That's exactly what she did. Yeah, it was that's that, true. that great little. I'll just, I'll leave these alone, but I'll eat from the bigger pile. Yeah, you know, there's a famous there's a famous experiment from many years ago where they had children and they offered the kid a marshmallow. Yep. And they said you can either eat this marshmallow now, or if you wait 20 minutes, I'll give you two marshmallows. 
And then they followed those kids throughout life. And the kids who ate the marshmallow right away did not turn out well. Mm -hmm. But the kids who had patience and waited for the two marshmallows had fantastic lives. And uh, it just shows you. I try to do that with my kids all the time. One does it really well. The other one's not a chance. And I think <laughs> it's hard to change them. It's really hard. But yeah. if you can teach kids patience and, you know, good things come to people who wait, then it, it helps them in their lives. But it's super hard to do. Mm-hmm. Impulsivity I don't know, I, is I don't know what good. to teach my kids because I definitely was a single marshmallow guy. <laughs> well, see, there you go. I don't want two marshmallows. One's good. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, how do you teach patience at this point? We're, you know, I feel ineffective as a father because I feel like here's here's what my parents imbued on me. I was like the last generation of kids that got spanked or hit quickly yeah, yeah. without thought. And then it was like as soon as I was like a teenager, it was my parents and my aunts and uncles who were all levying for, oh, we should stop hitting children. And it should be all about conversation and timeouts. And then it became like everybody looked down upon you if you give your kid a, cr- a quick crack, right? right? And there's definitely a difference between getting a swat on the ass to get your attention and beating somebody brutally, yeah, right? No so there's a difference between a quick slap and, and child abuse. Yeah. But it's it seems like my generation was the last. We took the brunt of it, and then they pulled it yeah, away from us so we true. couldn't do it to any of our kids. You're still carrying it with Sons you. Sons of bitches. <laughs> So I, See, I, got, I got around. I got a way around that. What I did is I gave them a, a necklace for their birthday, mm-hmm. and then um, if she goes to eat the first marshmallow, uh, it's a, it's an electric shock, and I, yes. it's like a dog yes. baller. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I zap her one. So has she learned patience, or has she just learned pain tolerance? A little of both. Yeah. But I think pain tolerance <laughs> is an important skill too. That Dave. is I mean, true. Yeah. Hard yeah. Pavlov's daughter, I guess. <laughs> Pavlov's daughter. <laughs> yeah, yes. That's the name of your next book, Jamie. That's, that's going to be a t-shirt, too, yeah. Pavlov's daughter. I'm wearing a t-shirt. This is our new t-shirt. It says, I'm going to count to three. One, two, and that's it. It just ends. Yeah. And it just ends. <laughs> no one ever finds out what happens at three. Nobody ever lives. gets to three, man. <laughs> Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J.Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the motor sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. 
How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We're back. This is the family. Tom Bernard out. Do we know Andy? Is, is he coming in tomorrow? Is he taking over? Or is he taking the full week off from the podcast? Uh, full week off from the podcast, All I right. believe. So you're stuck with me for an extra day, Andy. Yeah. I, I apologize for that. <laughs> but wow. we've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, a little bit later on in the program, John Tebow is going to join us as we talk about totally ridiculous laws still on the books. But right now joining us, one of my absolute favorite comedians, and I'm so happy that I'm able to have him on the show with us. Uh, I've been a guest on his show, his podcast twice, talking about the supernatural, the paranormal, and uh, now we're here to talk about his career and uh, future plans, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Ingvall. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to talk I, uh, with you again. I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, it's, it's been quite a while, but I'm glad we're able to catch up. And you've got, uh, I know we just missed you in Minnesota. I was unfortunately out in uh, another state I'm still not allowed to mention uh, filming a TV program when you were here, but you're out doing your farewell tour, Bill. You're you're finally putting down the microphone. This is it for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It got you know it got to that point where you just know. Uh, you know, I always said that I wanted to go out on my terms, and uh, you know I've been so lucky uh, in my career that as I say often, you know I caught the brass ring, and uh, I just, you know, I, I kind of wrestled with the decision for a while, but like I, said, I, I never wanted to be that. We've all been to those shows where you saw the act and you went, eh, they should have stopped about a year ago. And uh, I, I don't ever want to do that to the fans. So it's, it's time. Well, we had a chance to see you. Uh, you and Larry, the cable guy, were here at, uh, I think it was at Target, uh, Target Center, I think, a number right. of years ago. We got to see you guys perform and absolutely loved it. I am fascinated by the ability that you guys have shared during your your time with the Blue Collar uh, Comedy Tour that you're able to bring such laughter, such joy and heart to a program. And I I honestly, thinking about it, can't think of one swear word I remember coming out of any of your mouths during that that time (laughs) and watching all of your comedy specials over and over. That's just not part of... Your lexicon, which I, I really applaud, Bill, because that has got to be a much tougher job. I mean, obviously, there's a, it's a very easy crutch to lean into curse words to get shock value laughs and, and do that. Was there ever a point in your career where that was more a part of who you were? Oh, I'm sure when I first started, I'm sure I was a lot dirtier than I thought I needed to be. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and I think a lot of it comes from just... Uh, not being secure with who you are. And that's not to say that, you know, listen, every comedian's style has got a niche. There's, 
there's people who like the dirty stuff and then there's people who don't. And I found out early on in my career that, you know, I looked at guys like Bob Newhart and Steve Martin mm -hmm. and, uh, they, uh, they, they got through the whole show without swearing. And I thought there's something to that. And uh, I looked at the length of their careers and it's, it's worked out the best for me. And that's, you know, listen, I'm not judging anybody by whether they're dirty or not. I just know from my point of view that, I found that if you work clean and relatable, you're going to work a long time. And the 42 years that I've been doing this is kind of an attestant, a testament to that. Do you ever find yourself listening to another comedian and kind of editing yourself going, oh, I could have done that story this way and I wouldn't have needed to lean in on this? I mean, do you, are you ever critical? Not to the point where you go up and say, hey, man, drop the swear words or drop this. But do you watch how you could manipulate those same stories and get, you think, equal laughs without you know, the naughty bits? Um, yeah, I think probably subconsciously I do. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't sit around, like you said, and say, let me tell you the right way to do this. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, but it definitely is. Um, it's something you know, I think about. It's funny because that's, that's a comedian's ultimate compliment to another comedian is when you think to yourself, Oh, I wish I'd have thought of that. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, it was funny. I used to say that the last show I ever do, I'm going to say everything I ever wanted to say on stage. <laughs> and my friend says, you won't do it. And I said, you're right. It just wouldn't it, it, it'd be like putting on a pair of shoes that don't fit. Uh, it just, it wouldn't seem right. And, it, and I think the audience would go like, wait, what are you doing? Stop that. You know? Uh, and it's, it served me well. I, I always try to put the show together in a sense of, would I want to sit through 90 minutes of this with my wife sitting next to me? And that's been a good bar for me to, to, to use. There's, you know, and it, but it's funny in this day and age, people are so the world's changed so much in our outlook and what we get offended by. And, uh, you know, even as clean as I do a show, I've, you know, I've had people say, wow, you didn't have to do that. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what, what do you want me to do with this? But, uh, it's it, it overall though i think you, you're good if you really want to if you're thinking about being a comedian or you are one or a young comedian and you want a long career i can just tell you that i know from personal experience that working clean like i said and working relatable will, will do well for you it's interesting you bring up how the culture has changed right i mean you go back and and look uh even in, in the 80s the heyday when you've got comedians that are, are filling stadiums on a regular basis huge names out there and what now you watch those and there's this cringe factor that the humor is still there. The funny bits are still there. And, and it's a window into looking into their lives of what was and what wasn't acceptable at this point. But is that making it harder as oh, a comedian? Yeah. yeah. Do, do you find yeah. your, is that another reason why it's just like, you know what, it, it's just not fun when you've got to self edit everything that you're about to say or do and wonder how this thing's going to land. Exactly. Uh, that was a, a it, it gets to be the point where you're focusing more energy on trying to figure out what's right to you know what everybody wants you to say instead of what really feels natural. And, you know, it's funny because I look at other comedians, even like especially like British comedians, uh, they swear so much. It's not even dirty anymore. It's, right. uh, it's, it's just part of the language. Uh, and. So I just found that, you know, one of the criteria that I was using to determine whether I was ready to retire or not was, and I, you kind of touched on it there, but how much is the show still fun? And 
it used to be that traveling was way down and now and the show was way high. And now this kind of flip-flopped, uh, you know, and then I think what really pushed me over the edge with this was COVID. Uh, I just, because I, when we couldn't work, I discovered that I wasn't really missing it. And that's when I knew that it was time to, to maybe find a different avenue or a different uh, venue to work. Uh, and, and I don't know what that is yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll show, make itself known to me. But I listen, I got no complaints. I, I you know, there's not many people. 42 years in any other job, you are retired. You know, right. you're, you're, uh, and I, I, there's the thing I, I, that I'm most proud of this, of, of my career is that when it, when that last show happens, nobody will come to me and say, Ooh, you almost made it, you know, uh, because <laughs> I've got to do everything I ever wanted to do. Uh, you know, I really love the podcast world, but as you guys know, uh, that's that's a full time job. You yeah. can't just dabble in podcasts because if you do, that's what it looks like. Um, and uh, you know, my wife and I just turned into tuned in. Our daughter told us of all people about this podcast out there right now called "My Dad Wrote a Porn," which is just uh, <laughs> filthy. But it's but it's a, it's a genius way to do a podcast. And uh, it, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but the, the story behind it is that. This guy's dad literally wrote a pornographic novel. And what he did was he got hold of it. The son did. And he and two of his friends, one female, one male. And they read it out. He reads it out loud and they just tear it apart because it's the, you know, the grammar's bad. The, the, you know, <laughs> the, he obviously had the dad has no idea of the female anatomy of things he says. And so it becomes very funny, but that's what they do. That's all they do. And that's why, you know, like, like I said, I'd like to get into the podcast world. I know Dave, you and I did a couple, but the paranormal, I'm really fascinated by that, uh, about what people perceive that they see uh, as far as whether is it really a, a, a being or is it just uh, somebody wanting something so bad that the brain says, all right, I'll show you what you want to see, but it is really unreal. Uh so I don't know what the, what it's going to be, but I, I would really like to, to maybe find a, a real strong vehicle to, in which to do a podcast. And because uh, I think that's kind of the new medium right now. Uh, it's it's almost kind of taken the place of, of book of reading, you know. Right. The, and so hopefully uh, the, maybe there'll be something in that that field that uh, that I can do. And the, the other thing is. I'm so been so lucky in in, uh, in my career that it you, you like anything it's got to be fun for you. I mean, I'm not into this for money anymore. Uh, you know, my wife is taking care of our finances. That that's what's great is when you're married to your own business manager. You know, you know exactly where all the money is. Uh, is although I say all, I say all the money she never leaves me. I'm in big trouble because I <laughs> I don't know passwords. If you said how much is in your checking account, I go I don't I don't even, I didn't even know we had a checking account. You know? <laughs> You just have the lumps of money underneath the, the mattress, right? That's yeah. I don't know where she's got it hidden, but you know, she gives me my share. And, uh, but yeah, it's, and then, you know, they, the other thing is that, that this is a huge part of the retirement. My wife has been so great throughout this whole journey. Uh, never once did she say, why do you got to go? Or, you know, I'm here with the kids and you're gone. I'm sure she thought it, but mm-hmm. she never said it. And that made the journey, the journey so much easier and so I want to spend some time, more time with her and with the grandbaby and uh, just kind of 
seeing what normal life is like for a while. I like that you say for a while. There's always that backdoor clause, right? Well, oh, well, right think, now it's not as fun, but you know, yeah. <laughs> retirement's yeah. subjective. If somebody said, "Hey, Bill, here's some stupid money. Come do a show," I'd probably say, "Okay, I'll be there." But <laughs> uh, you know, it's what the thing that's interesting about this job is everybody sees you on stage for seventy-five to ninety minutes, and they think, "Oh man, what a great job! You get to travel around the country. You're doing shows in front of people in theaters, and uh, that's uh, you know, and it, it's great." I go, "Yeah, but you don't see the twenty-two and a half hours where you're in a Holiday Inn or Comfort Suites or you know." And you're just by yourself because, you know, like you generally, generally the way that like this, uh, I've got shows coming up that the weekend, I literally fly in to do a show, do the show, get on the plane, fly to the next gig, sleep all day and do the show. And that, that takes it out of you. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced it takes years off your life. Uh, But it's, it's what, what I did, you know, it was part of being a, a comedian and, that's why, and just like podcasts, you can't just dabble into a stand-up. You, you've got to really commit to it. And we will mention for listeners, if you go to BillEngvall.com and uh, click on the tour tab, it'll tell you where Bill's going to be. December 2nd, the Villages, Florida. He's going to be at the Sharon L. Morse Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, what do you, you have a, a 5 and an 8 p.m. show there. Uh, December 3rd, he's going to be in Lakeland, Florida at the Yuki Theater. Uh, December 11th in Oroville, California at the Gold Country Casino and Hotel. And then on the 12th, you can find him in Fort Hall, Idaho at the Fort Hall Casino, both a 5 and 8 p.m. show. I'm curious, is there really a difference at these shows from the earlier show to the late show? Is If you had a preference of... Bill, we have two slots. Which one is going to always be the powerhouse? Where would you lean into? Uh, well, if you don't have to do two shows, I would like the eight o'clock shows. Are, but I will tell you this: I'm getting older, mm-hmm. and that earlier show really is enjoyable. Uh, and and I say that just in a sense of with the early show, you, you kind of relax more mm-hmm. because you know it's early in the evening. You're not really you know, not that you're not putting your energy into it, but that's the way my stand-up goes, as you saw in the, the shows, is it's very much kind of like we're just sitting around the living room and I'm the funny guy doing the talking. Right. Uh, but I, I tell you, that was another thing when I knew when it was time for me to, to maybe step aside for a while, uh, is that uh, when I was playing the clubs, I remember when we played Las Vegas, the improv in Las Vegas, and we did 17 shows in six days hmm. and never blinked an eye at it. Now, at 65 years old, I, they say we're doing two shows. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> two shows? <laughs> so so that's when I knew another. I thought, yeah, it's time for you to step away. Yeah, and it's hard. You know, I found when I started doing Darkness Radio and we were doing Darkness Radio events, when we started it 15 years ago, I could stay up till 2 or 3 in the morning with all the guests after the ghost hunt and talk and make sure everybody got to their room safely, and then I'd be up at 8.30, 9 o'clock the next morning to get everything ready for the next day of events. And, you know, I, after the event was over, I'd come home. I'd need a day, maybe two, to recover. Now I do an event like that, and I'm out for a week. It's just yeah. like, holy gosh, where did all <laughs> – it just pulls that energy from you, and you don't realize how much effort there is in trying to make things look effortless. So that's why I've always appreciated – comedians and actors like yourself you make it seem like you said that it's not really it's not 
comedy, I don't feel in the same kind of rimshot way that most people think of comedians as you are a, a very impressive storyteller. And the way you're right. able to weave through an evening, you feel like you're sitting there with one of your best friends having a beer, listening to the goofy stuff that's gone on in his life. And that's, I've got to guess, that, that has got to be a skill into itself to just make it seem effortless. Well, I, I thank you. I enjoy that style. Uh, that, and that's why sometimes the later show is not necessarily the best show to see. Because on the later show, people have had the chance to kind of get into their favorite libation. Mm-hmm. And uh, they feel like the, that you want them to be part of the show. And I don't. I, want, I do in the sense of just being an audience member and sit there. Right. I, don't need, I don't need your input. I've done this for 42 years. I got it. You know, uh, the, uh, but it's, uh, it just depends, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of times, and the other thing is like, you know, when you play a lot of casinos, like I do, right. you're just, kinda, you're just, you know, like they don't sell the front two rows because they leave it for their high rollers who never show up. Sure. You know, it, it, it's, it's so weird to me. You have this whole concept of if you give somebody a free ticket, they don't respect it as much as if they paid for it. Right. And so I always tell them, say, sell the, sell the first two rows. I don't care about high rollers, but you know, the casinos, don't really listen to me. Uh, the, although I did, you know, I, it was funny. I used to do a joke, and I think, and I stopped doing it because I thought probably the casinos didn't really appreciate it. But I always said, you know, I've never been a big gambler. I've never understood gambling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I work too hard for my money. But I used to say on stage, I go, I go, gambling's weird because if I came up to you on the street and said, "Hey, give me a hundred dollars, and there's a chance I'll give you ten thousand right back." <laughs> And you'd think I was high. Right. But that's what you do in a casino, right? You go, you basically, the machine is saying to you, give me a hundred bucks and there's a chance I'm going to give you $10,000. And we're like, yeah, buddy, I'm all in. But if a human, but if you did it just there on the street, they think you were, you were crazy. That's what I tell my, uh, my dad and son, when we go to Vegas for Super Bowl every year, I said, you know, if it's easier, you could just tuck the dollars in my front pocket and pull my arm and I won't give you anything either. <laughs> At yeah, least, you know, exactly. the money's going to somebody that wants it, uh, yeah, that, that aspect has got to be crazy. And I've seen comedians at the, um, you know, in comedy clubs, obviously, and then seeing them at the casino, it's kind of a different vibe to it. And then going into a stadium-like environment, what, what would you choose as your favorite type of performance uh, location? Uh, without a doubt, the performing arts centers, uh, because it's more of a show. Of like, like, you know, the arenas, when we were doing Blue Collar and we were selling out arenas, that was wonderful. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but I remember when we would do the arenas before they would let people in, I would walk onto the center of the stage and I'd look around and I go, this is great, but comedy's intimate. Uh, you know, someone's going to be watching that on a screen. Right. Uh, the, and with comedy, you really need to be able to see and be a part of the vision uh, to be close enough that you get the, the, the facial expressions and, uh, you know, with arenas, there's the, the, the sound issues of the, the slapback. You know, you got to take your time, and that throws off your timing. Uh, and so, but yeah, without a doubt, the, the, I, I like the – a lot of comedians don't like outdoor shows. I, I, they don't bother me, but, uh, but my favorite is, is when you're in a nice performing arts center. Doing the shows as you've done, and you've had an opportunity to work with some of the kings of comedy – what really has stood out to you? And I mean, obviously, your friendship with Foxworthy and Larry and, and everything is, is pretty high up there. But what comedians have stood out to you as the most impressive, just kind of creative forces when you've been around them? 
Uh, well, golly, there's a, there's a bunch of other. There's a, a young man named Nate Bargatze, who, who I love uh, and wish I could do my show like his. Uh, it's just he's very funny. But, you know, I, I Kevin Hart, I think, is, it does a great job of, of storytelling, of what I call storytelling type of humor. Uh, the, uh, I always, listen, I go back to the first time I bought Steve Martin's Let's Get Small. Yeah. Uh, that was just such a great album. And that was probably the one that really piqued my interest about, but I didn't think you could do it for a job. I, you know, I just thought it would be something you do, uh, you know, in your part time. Uh, but there's comedy is so wonderful in that sense of creative energy because you know, when I get emails from people saying, how do I become a comedian? I always tell them, they, they go, well, I'm funny around the office. I go, well, everybody's funny around the office because right. they know you. I say, go on to, go to a comedy club mm-hmm. on a midnight show on a Saturday night, and if you can make those people laugh, then you got a shot in this business. Uh, you know, you got to be able to get in front of people because uh, you're, man, when I'm, I'm tying this back to what you said, the creative energy is that my job is to take something that you can relate to and 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 make you feel like you know like like I always know I've written a good joke when I see a husband or a wife kind of elbow each other like yeah that's you right there right uh, and that's that, that that that's not easy to do uh, because you know I've had it, it's such a psychological battle uh, when you're on stage I've had shows where the there'll be a couple there and the woman's laughing like crazy and the man's sitting there with his arms folded like you know mm. like I'm hitting on his wife or something. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is because comedy is so personal, right? Uh, you know, you know if, no offense to bands, but if you go hear a band and they play a song you don't like, you know, you think, oh, well, maybe they'll play another one I like. You know, with comedy, if they don't like what you're saying on stage, they don't like you. They don't like the way you live your life. They don't like what you believe. In. Right. You know, it's it's a very personal thing, and uh, so it's a it's a constant battle. And that that's going back to the retirement part of this is that when you when that energy, you know starts to fade then it, it becomes a much more difficult job let's uh, we have to take a quick break bill will you stay in for another segment with us yeah if you can answer me one question i can why is it in paranormal shows the ghosts only show up at night i will be happy to explain <laughs> that when we return stay tuned this is the family tom here for shift real estate last year about this time when we were making plans for key west i met the folks from shift real estate and when i heard the shift story it made sense to me It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com. That's Shift, the number two, Sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? 
I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. If you were like me and constantly finding yourself in weight loss mode, I have great news. Continuum is here. It's new and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They're upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation. Find out more today. Simply go to their website, Continuum Weight weightwellbeing.com or call or text them at 952-491-6527 and catch the Continuum team on my podcast on Thursdays, 11.15 a.m. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing Life Beyond Weight Loss Mode. Until next week, filling in, I'm Dave Schrader. Our guest today, Bill Engvall, and you can check out his website at BillEngvall.com. We'll have a link up for that, and you can download Bill's new comedy special. You can find tour dates, and it looks like you're going to be stretching the tour out into about July 2022 is what I'm seeing on your schedule here. Is that right, Bill? Yeah. Uh, what I, I didn't want to just, as Barney Fife would say, nip it in the bud. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I, so we thought, I, I said, well, I'll do 20 dates in 22 uh, and then that'll be it. So you're just slowly working your way. You, you see that out there. That still seems like a long time. But, man, six yeah. months flies by when you're out there working this stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Uh, like, I've got shows this weekend and next weekend, and it's like, ugh. <laughs> and and the, the shows will be great, but, right. it, it, but it's just it, – this is it's funny because when I first announced it and the first show I did after I announced I was going to retire, this show was just off the charts. Amazing. And as I'm standing there after I said goodnight and they're cheering and hollering and whooping. And I remember thinking, am I doing the right thing here? And I thought, <laughs> yes, you you are. You got to, you, you know, just because the shows are really good doesn't mean this change. Because I, I find myself looking at the counter going, I, I, I'll tell you a great example. When I, when I started doing theaters and arenas and stuff, I'd be packed two days before I had to go because I was so excited. Now it's like thirty minutes before I got to get in the car, drive to the airport. I'm throwing stuff in a bag, and you know, it's just like it's like yeah, yeah, it's time. This isn't going to be one of those share things where you keep doing retirement for ten years. You know what? That's a that's a great question. Uh, the Eagles did it. The, the uh, Rolling Stones have done. Yes, yeah. uh, Tom Bernard. Yeah, I, listen. I never say never, but as far as I know right now, this will be it. Uh, you know, it, it, now listen, we may get a year into this, and my wife look at me and say, "You got to get back out on the road," mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> because highly, highly likely. Know, but, but there's things I want to do. Like I said, I want to maybe jump back into the podcast. Like, I also would like to start doing, and this is not to sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but I'd like to start doing some charities. You know, uh, charity work and uh, giving back. Uh, you know, I it. 
it amazed me that the United States, one of the most powerful countries in the world, we still have kids who go to school without breakfast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd like to maybe get help out in that area. And the thing that's funny, though, is when you're at this level of celebrity and you contact people like that, they don't understand. I don't want to just be a check writer. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I, I want to get my hands dirty. You know, it's like, you know, they're like, well, can you do a show for us? I'm like, I don't That's not what I want to do. I just want to be Bill and, you know, swing a hammer or deliver meals or something like that. I, you know, I, I can write a check. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, it, to me, that I'd, I would rather uh, be, you know, boots on the ground kind of thing. Well, that's commendable. But getting out there, you know, doing doing work for people, I think that does inspire others to see, you know, hey, at any level of whatever you are in life, you can pitch in and make a difference and help. Right. But, right. you know, again, Bill, when we've got starving people in America and veterans that are homeless, but we're spending $22 billion to make sure that the ozone around Jupiter is in balance, mm-hmm. I, I question those things. Well, that and <laughs> listen, I know it's their money. They can do whatever they want with it. But do you, do we really need it to spend, I don't know how much money they've spent to just take a rocket and, you know, with the guy from Amazon and Richard Branson is a you know, I think about what that money could have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's their money. They earned it. They, I give them all the credit, you know, but uh, I, I think that, you know, and would I, listen, would I love to see the earth? You bet. But two things got to happen. One, the price has got to come way down. <laughs> and two, there's got to be a way more shots to that. I, I want that. I don't want there to be any. I give William Shatner credit because second time up, no, I'll wait. 90 years oh, old though, yeah. at that point are you really giving him credit or is he just thinking if i'm going out this is going to be an awesome way to absolutely. do it absolutely yeah i think yeah listen it, <laughs> he was he, he 90 yeah 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 i mean that's uh you know it's like i said it's his money he can do what he wants and you know that's that's why i told gail I, my wife i said whenever i go i want you to cremate me and then put me in one of those fire uh, rockets that just explodes in the sky and blue pretty lights come out the <laughs> go out go yeah what, a bottle rocket kind of thing. Sure. Well, I don't want to really want to breathe in your ash dust. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking as a Bill Engvall fan, I do. Okay. Get the Bill Engvall. Hey, hey, well, I, I, listen, extra, I, extra admission for those it, close up. <laughs> if, if that bottle rocket is big enough to reach that far, then you know you probably don't got much choice. So <laughs> I think I think what we'll do, we'll send out a, a free email and say, hey, you might want to stay inside tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Turn uh, on your HEPA filter. You got guys outside like me with a rolled up hundred dollar bill snorting the air, trying to do yeah, yeah. Bill Engvall magic. I can feel myself uh, getting funnier. Well, here's the deal, Bill. You want to go up there, but don't want to spend that money. Let me work for you, buddy. I will get you booked on Branson flights to the moon, so that way you can do comedy the entire ride up there, and you're earning I would your be, keep. I would be so scared you wouldn't hear two words out of me. Uh, yeah. So uh, Mr. Ingvall's going to need uh, Tang, fresh Tang, the entire trip. <laughs> yeah, oh, and several gosh. vomit bags. <laughs> several. Good God. <laughs> the uh, Coming out of this, I thought it was really interesting. You, you were on one of the other podcasts I, I follow and watch, and you said something that really kind of struck me because I'm on the road a lot during the year. Right. And I, I just thought it was funny and poignant at the same time. You're like, yeah. The other reason I thought about retiring is I'm of that age. I don't want to be dead alone in a hotel somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Can I tell you that is my biggest fear? Yes. I told my wife that mm-hmm. is that I don't want to die in a hotel room. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, and I, not that we can control where we 
go on, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be the ghost in a red roof inn. All right, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of the red roof inn. I love that Hardy Boys book. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That, that is something uh, you have to think about. It. Show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you've also kind of uh, turned over something new in your life, right? You're you're now an ordained minister. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I am actually. Uh, I, you know, it was interesting. Uh, I did it. Uh, we were. Um, I wanted to do it just because, in case you know, like friends or family wanted to get married, and I could, I would, I could make it legal. Uh, and it was funny. The whole thing stemmed from uh, the my appearances on Last Man Standing right. playing uh, Robert Paul. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I had done a lot of different. Uh, roles and uh, that uh, you know, it, but this one really felt different. It was, uh, it was, there was something to it. It had more meat on the bone, if you will. Uh, not that it, we made any earth-shattering, you know, proclamations or you know, it was just still a sitcom. But I really got interested, in, so I went back to college and graduated with a degree in Christian studies. And hmm. uh, I do a little thing on Sunday mornings uh, on Facebook called Sunday Mornings with Bill. And it's just a little 10 minute inspirational thing. It's nothing real preachy. It's just something to kind of start your week with. Come on. We need more preaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I think we need a lot more preaching. Yeah. Unfortunately, some of the preachers are probably is part of the problems we have. True. Uh, the, uh, you know, I always said that that was the, the problem with uh, many pastors is they somehow make the transition from preaching about God to preaching as if they're God. And uh, I think that people aren't really into that, you know, Four wall religion is really taking a hit right now. Right. And uh, it, and I think it's because they uh, there's the, the younger and this sounds weird for me to say this, but the younger, you know, they're trying to reach out to the younger generation. Uh, but you still have the older generation that, that wants church the way it used to be. So I don't know what the answer is. Uh, and but I, I just feel like I feel like a lot of times people just want a message that says, you know, it, it's, this is going to be okay. You know, yeah, there, there, there's, there's good things coming. And, uh, and you know, we're going to have to wait for them and see. See, I'm with you. I, I thought what was interesting, and you, you know, asked me about why are ghosts seen only at night. And being right. involved in the paranormal, everybody's asked, why is there this big boon in paranormal entertainment? And I said it really fell on the heels of 9-11. Because we had such a massive tragedy hit our country. And if you remember at the time, churches were overflowing for the first time in decades. People were returning looking for answers. And sadly, many church leaders saw it as a time not of giving answers or helping people through this, but a lot of the sermons turned to tithing. And it became about what you can do for us as opposed to what we can do to help you through this time. And and, uh, I think that cost... Uh, and again, I'm not church bashing in any way, shape, or form. I'm Christian and, and believe, but I just I think that the leadership misses some of those points of of importance. And uh, I, you know, I've got to guess if you decide to go full into ministry, my one of my favorite pastors ever was one of the funniest guys I've ever met, and he had a way of delivering these stories so it wasn't dry, stodgy. You weren't looking at your watch and you know, praying for the end of the service, you laughed through most of it and were engaged. And then when he hit you between the eyes with something poignant, it meant a lot more because you weren't just sitting there in this kind of vexed state of 45 minutes to an hour wondering how quickly will the sermon be over. 
I think right. that bringing that element of, of your personality, man, I think there would be a lot of new converts coming back to the church to listen to somebody that can entertain and enlighten them and educate them all at the same time. Well, I agree. Uh, I, I think that that, like you said, there was, we, we've been given an opportunity to do this. Uh, and so hopefully, uh, I, you know, that's, I guess maybe I, I would like to do that is, is, is be able to, a good friend of mine who's a retired Episcopalian priest said when he was in the seminary, he said the greatest line he ever heard a professor say to him was, in your sermons, keep it about 10 minutes and keep it about God. <laughs> yeah. You know, people don't need a, they don't need an hour and a half long. And this kind of, believe it or not, this kind of ties back into comedy. Uh, I have a friend who's, who is still in the clubs and he came to me one day and he said, how do I get into the, the theaters? He goes, I've got, I can do a three hour show. And I go, they don't want a three hour show. You know, it's at 75 to 90, you're even on the edge of right there. People just want to have that release and that laugh, and then they want to go about their their, their ways. Uh, and I said, to get into the theaters, it's strictly a can you pull somebody out of their house and make them buy a ticket to come see you, a higher price ticket in the theaters? And I said, that's all it is. And I said, and the way you do that is just uh, by by giving them what they want. And I think the same thing happened with religion. Like you said, is that it's uh, we, we've been given an opportunity. People just want, they want to hold on to something. They want to have, it, it's funny. I was talking to, so I, I had, uh, I don't know if this was medically induced or whatever, but I've, I tore my, I've got a torn meniscus right now in my, uh, and, and so I've got some pain relievers. And last night I went to bed and it's just extremely painful. So I took one of the pain pills and all of a sudden I had this dream. I, I, I thought I was awake, but it was just like this whole thing about we've confused people in religion so much. They don't even know what's up anymore. Right. You know, there's, there's people who like they, they believe in a God or, they, or whatever they believe. They want to believe in something, but you can't have an agenda with it. If you're if you're in, in the ministry business, you, you know, I feel like you it's wrong. Just like in the entertainment I, I don't like it when entertainers use the stage to to proclaim their their political views or i like I, I paid to hear you sing this one song just sing it you know uh and so i think that 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 happens what happened in religion a lot is that uh pastors and preachers started using the the pulpit as a way to uh to further their agenda it's it's really weird isn't it how people lean into celebrities for input almost like i don't know how to feel i wonder what bill ingvall believes you know and that, oh, God. yeah isn't yeah, that a strange me. deal you've got to be like i listen i have trouble matching my socks in the morning i'm not the guy you want to take advice from right yeah exactly <laughs> you know and, and it really you know it's like it's funny uh i had a, a, a example of that, that when it on social media when it came out that i graduated and i was an ordained minister so this guy i got an email from on my facebook that said that it was his uh, one of his relatives had shot his brother when they were young and killed him. And now she wants him to forgive her. And he goes, what should I do? I'm like, Oh man, you are asking the wrong guy. Uh, you know, it, it, but you're right. I don't know. I don't understand the, the, the public's proclivity to, to wonder what Taylor Swift thinks about the political situation. You know, it's like, if that's where your worries are, you got bigger issues than that. Right. That's right. You know, we've always done prayer and healing requests on Darkness Radio and and have put them up there on our Facebook and, and social media feeds, and we get great responses. But then it's, you know, 
when there was this big battle when Trump was first going into office and there was all this derision and anger, people were posting on our page, like, what did Dave and Tim think about what's going on with the political environment? I'm like, we're two paranormal guys. We talk ghosts, Bigfoot, and UFOs. What does it matter what we think? Let's just keep right. the show an escape for you so that for 90 minutes an episode, you don't have to hear about COVID or hear about President Trump or President Biden or let's just have this moment. But they were like, it's weird that they seek like approval right. from people they, you know, that they like. And again, to me, it was just the weirdest thing. We're, we're paranormal guys. Why do you care which which side we fall down on? <laughs> and by the way, even if you had the best advice they've ever had in their life, someone's going to get on social media and tell you why you're wrong. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like that's one of my, you know, that's that's another little, uh, element that I've been talking about comedy and, and, and retirement and all that. I just the, the social media aspect of it. I'm just so tired of it. You know, it's like I, I always I always laugh. I tell you, show show my wife when I see one. I could write the most poignant, wonderful post, but if I misspell one word, <laughs> right, the grammar police are all over me. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and my thought is, that's what you took away from this. That instead of T H E I R, I put T H E R E. Right. You know, it's like, but. And you know, and I think that in a way, the the social media platform is like the old west. There's really no laws, and and I don't like it because like somebody can get on Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and say Bill Ingvall's special sucks, but they won't walk up to me on the street and say that. There, you know, there's there's no consequences anymore. That's like, the it's... scary thing, though, Bill, because what I'm finding is I had that same feeling right in the beginning with social media. You could be a bully from behind your computer screen. Oh, yeah. But now people have conditioned themselves that they're taking it beyond that. They don't have problems. There's no decorum. There's no line in the sand in person now. They will say what's on their mind because they're so used to doing it with a text or a, uh, a social media blast that you're right. No repercussions. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing to worry about anymore. What You know, I, well, I'm allowed I, to have my feelings. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, so I was approached by this... Uh, insurance company to uh do their commercials and they're basically kind of like a clearinghouse for uh health policy insurance health policies and we did these commercials and i couldn't believe there must have been five or ten people that said well i guess ingval's career is over he's he's hawking uh insurance ads (laughs) and it's like i want to go to these people and say let me give you let's give you a hypothetical let's say you're a plumber and you doing your job, but you did you do a really good job at it. Well, all of a sudden, this big company, this big, whatever nationwide plumbing supply house says, we want you to do our commercials, and we're going to pay you stupid money. Mm-hmm. You're telling me you're going to go? Nah, I'm good. Just doing my little toilet fixing right here in in, in this town of five thousand people. It, people, it's funny how people don't. I don't know if they don't want to see you succeed. But it's like, when did you become the, the mentor of my career? When, they, when did you become the sculptor of how, how I should work my career? Uh, and, and, you know, they do it all. They do it with anybody. They do it with, I mean, you know, look at what happened with Brett Favre and the whole COVID thing. It's like, really? That's who? I, I, I could care less. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't, don't. If you get it, then you don't know why you got it. You know, uh, it's like people put, you're right, that people... They want to, I don't know if they want to insert themselves in your lives 
or uh, or, or what they're 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 thinking is going to happen. I tell you, one of my favorite stories was on my Twitter account one time. This is a few years back. I got a, a, a guy posted on my Twitter page. that says, hey, man, we're big fans. We love your shows. We were wondering, we've had some rough times, uh, if you could loan us $39,870. And I, I looked at it and I started, because that's a pretty specific amount of money. <laughs> right. And I, and I started laughing. I, and not that he had asked for the money, but I was laughing at the conversation that had to have happened before he tweeted that. <laughs> Like, like the, he and his spouse are sitting around the breakfast table and goes, I don't know how we're going to pay these bills. we got $39,000, $870 worth of bills here. We're going, I don't know how we're going to pay this. And someone went, well, why don't we ask Bill Ingvall? <laughs> 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 like, I don't know what people think anymore. Uh, well, I, you know, it's a, a weird world we're in when there is GoFundMe's for everything now. Nobody pays for anything on their own. Oh, I, you know, I got a new dog and I need to get it fixed. Here's my GoFundMe. Can everybody chip in? Well, maybe you shouldn't have bought a dog if you don't have money right. to take care of it. You know, and you, you think of these things and, you know, I applaud people that save dogs and rescue dogs and do these things. But again, when it comes down to, you know, individuals making purchases that they can't stay up with, you, you yeah. It's a, it's right, a weird conversation right. to have, well, and that's you know, and that's where the you know that's where the humor. You know, it's that's why you know, like that's the kind of stuff that I pick up on and, and try to turn into to some sort of joke uh, because there's the people will do things. I always say humanity never ceases to amaze me. Uh, you know, just when you think you've gotten as low as you can go, they go, no, 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 we can go a little lower. Hang on. Uh, and, you know, I, I just sit back and, and I used to, it used to just drive me crazy. Now I just laugh. But, uh, you know, there's, there, there's so much out there that like, I love the fact that, that uh, I'll tell you a story about during COVID. So it was right at the peak of it when people were hoarding everything, which drives me crazy, which is not a good sign on if something if, if this thing ever gets way out of control, we are so screwed because, yeah. uh, A, people are hoarding toilet paper where there never was any symptom of COVID that said explosive diarrhea. <laughs> All right. So that was that that I don't understand the whole hoarding of toilet paper. Uh, so I was in the market uh, and we were getting something for dinner that night. I was going to cook some steaks or something. And I'm standing there at the meat market counter with this lady next to me and uh, we start talking about how people are hoarding stuff. And I said, I just, I hate the fact that, that people feel like they, they, they can't take just what they need. They got to take more than what they need. And half this stuff's going to go bad anyway, because they're not going to be able to eat it all. Uh, and the lady says, yeah, I know it drives me crazy too. And they called her number and she went up and ordered 20 pounds of hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> right. But what is her story? We always laughed about it because, you know, we would go to Sam's club to load up. And my wife and I would be there, and we would have two overflowing carts, and you could see the righteous indignation look in people's eyes as they're looking at you going, you dirty hoarders, you dirty, dirty hoarders. And the one yeah. day we were there, and this woman makes some comment to us, and I go, well, for what it's worth, there's 11 of us under my roof right. during COVID. So I've got a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of butts to wipe. So yeah. this is just this yeah. week's yeah. groceries. Yeah, this is a you normal know? run for us. <laughs> yeah, well, and I also love the fact that you know, remember everybody's having to wear rubber gloves? Yep. And then they throw them on the ground. It's like, well, okay. Well, <laughs> the, trash, 
there's a trash can two feet away. Uh, yeah, you, yeah well, I don't want to get COVID from that. Well, yeah, thanks for throwing the rubber gloves on the ground. That's awesome. <laughs> well, check out his website, BillEngvall.com. He will be touring until July 2022. There's information up there. You can also download his uh, new comedy special, Just Sell Him for Parts. Uh, you can follow him on Facebook and get his Sunday morning 10-minute sermons and, and have a great time. Bill, it's always great catching up with you, and when you dip your toe back into the world of podcasting, let me know. I'd love to connect with you again. Oh, Dave, you know I will. And by the way, you have not yet answered the question. Oh, uh-huh. here's here's the deal. Why are ghosts only the short seen at answer. night? Why, why do right. you never see a ghost at lunchtime? You do. People <laughs> people see them all the time, but what we do is at night you you pull away and strip away a lot of the distractions. Like if we're all out walking around in the commons here – and a ghost is walking, how are you going to know it's a ghost? There's 35 other people walking in that area. At nighttime, when it's dark, it's quiet, the dogs aren't barking, nobody's mowing the lawn or chainsawing a tree, you hear, you experience, you see more things. Uh, for TV, they simply put it in the dark because it it's, gives you that claustrophobic, creepy feel. Um, right. You know, but certainly if they told me the ghost of Elvis walked into uh, the Dunkin' Donuts on the corner at noon every day, I would be there at noon to watch for the ghost. Uh, that's, you know, that's just part of it, but people see them day and night. That's the cool part. I love when people like in, in, um, the merchant's house museum in New York, uh, people have gone in to do the tour and they go up and they talk to the docent on the second floor who tells them the history and the people will come down and go, God, that guy was so good. And they're like, what guy? The docent upstairs. He told us all about the family. He's dressed in period costume. They're like, uh, there's no docent upstairs. I'm the only employee here today. Hmm. Wait, what? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the Merchant's House Museum. There's great stories like that all over. Well, Where, you know me. I'm fascinated by that. Right. Stuff. Yeah. The, uh, the, I, one of these days, and I know you and I have talked about it. I'm gonna, we're going to hook up and I'm going to go because uh, I, I got there's we ought to do a whole show because I could I could I'm the, I'm the guy. I would be the everyday guy asking you questions like, OK, are there are there paranormal shows out there that you watch? You go, that sucks. That was made up, you know, <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm friends with every one of those yeah, shows, exactly. so I can't tell you anything. I know, I know. You won't ever give me the But, uh, no, you know, off the air, I can tell, give you some insights into what I think is maybe a little bit more dramatic than it needs to be. But, you know, for the most part, I've been on most of those shows. And from everything I've seen, what you see is what you get. So it's, you know, but we're, right. we're also putting ourselves in the most haunted locations on the planet. So right, it's, right, it's hard right. to walk well, away. Well, i got to get me one of those little things that is really loud and all of a sudden they go it says, oh he said the word the everybody see that oh, that's that's my 18 month gold grandson i'll send him right over he's a little thing that makes a lot of noise buddy uh, it's good to hear your voice uh tell uh, please tell i hope tom gets feeling better i, I wasn't aware that he had, he had contracted covid uh please give him my best and tell him i say get well soon and, and his advice to you, you, don't don't hug and kiss everybody at one of your shows because yeah. that's uh, yeah that's kind of gone by the wayside. So. yeah mm-hmm. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family.